0: You start with your own breathing. Match the rhythm of the breeze that carves the canopy, the birds and bugs chirping in set intervals. Feel the subtle pulse rising up from the ground beneath you. To wander is to dance with the forest. But the forest isn't just the partner. She's the music, the style, she's the rhythm, she's the set of ancient steps and movements that have been passed down from one dancer to another she teaches you to dance the dance she invented to the music she's singing in a tonal system she thought up one night as it pleased her you breathe and you listen and you wait for your place your first step the call to is a new fairy folktale podcast from T.H. Ponders, a member of the Fable and Folly Network. Listen to the show by searching for The Wanderer in Apple Podcasts, or by visiting www.callofthewander.com.
1: Ah, good evening, traveler, and welcome to the Penumbra. Tonight's tale is... Juno Steel and the Embrace of Ice.
2: Waiter. Excuse me, waiter. I'll be right with you, sir. Oh, sure. I mean, take your time, obviously. (laughs) So,
3: excuse me. Your date has not yet arrived, sir. Hey, pal. I never said I was waiting for a date. You've been seated half an hour, and in that time you've asked me to check the front four times, you've ordered three drinks, and you've polished off two baskets of bread and a record-setting nine glasses of water, sir.
2: Yeah? So?
3: Water's... free? Hell, who ever heard of free water? How many creds did I just... In my know? experience, no patron is this nervous unless they are here to meet a date, their boss, or a parent-in-law. The first of those options is by far the most common. Sure, but that doesn't And mean... I find it leads to the most vehement denial. Very funny.
4: How about you
2: mind your own business, alright? Right away, sir. Listen, could you just check outside one more time for me, please?
3: Surely your guest would prefer to meet you at the door, sir?
2: I know, and I would, but if I'm not here when... Sorry, we've just got this thing about me walking out, so... I'm certain your fiancé will
3: arrive as soon as the traffic clears up on Hammett, sir. Fiancé? Okay, but how the hell do you do that? Forty years of waiting tables, sir. Reading customers as a way to pass the time. You'd make a hell of a detective.
2: And I should know. My name is Juno Steele, and I am actually a... Juno! A detective, ACPD 151st precinct. Enjoy your meal, officer.
4: Oh, who was that? It was just... Oh, uh, I'm so sorry, Emily. Juno, you wouldn't believe traffic. that...
2: traffic, yeah. I'm just glad you're here now.
4: <clears throat> you know, me too. There aren't many places I'd rather be than sitting next to this tough broad and his blaster. We're in
2: a restaurant, Diamond. I didn't bring my blaster.
4: Hmm...
2: <laughs> hell, I can see you brought yours. Want to hit me with another one of those stunners?
4: Yes, yes, you're very funny. Now kiss me already. Oh, I almost forgot to tell you.
2: Uh, forgot to tell me what?
4: Beep, 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 bing. Beep, beep, beep. Uh,
2: what? Beep, beep, beep,
4: bing. Beep, beep, beep.
2: Oh, Ruby. Ruby. <laughs> the hell is this? Set course for the point of the story? Hey, Junk Heap, you've been asking me where we're going for a month now, so how about you shut up and let me tell the story right? Okay, you want me to stop the story? Because I can stop the story. We can just sit here in silence for another couple dozen light years. Or, hell, maybe I can turn my music back on and we can finally... Yeah, that's what I thought. Honestly, who gave you the idea that you get to complain, huh? Taking a month to get halfway across the galaxy. Hell, I bet cavemen had spaceships that went faster than this, and they didn't need to ride in their goddamn underwear. Don't you error me. You ate my clothes three weeks ago. Oh, beep boop, foreign material detected. Bing bop, remove your clothes, because I'm a car and slimy thing and washing machine, apparently. Yum, yum, yum. This is why it took me a week to give you my clothes in the first place, you lousy... No way. So what, you've just been sitting on these? I've been skinned on alien leather for three weeks because you made a whoopsie? Give me those. Not half bad, actually. Didn't know they made a detergent for panacea stains. Sure. Sure, I think that deserves a story. So stick around, because I've barely gotten started. And I need you to understand why the person we're going to see hates my guts. Anyway, what was I saying? Right. In that restaurant, the Corleone, I think it was called. Kind of place so fancy, I kept waiting for someone to kick me out. I was 23 years old, just a few years out of the HCPD Academy, and even though my fiancé Diamond had been bringing me to places like this since we met almost five years before, I still had a hell of a lot more experience getting tossed out front doors than getting tossed salads with cactus vinaigrette. Diamond understood, kind of. Didn't stop her from dragging me places like that, but she checked on me a lot while we were there. I liked that about her. I liked a lot of things about Diamond.
4: Oh, I almost forgot to tell you! We're going to need one more chair for the table. Mother's joining us.
1: She is?
4: I know, I don't like her horning in on our plans either, but you know how she is. When she has something to say, she needs to say it right now.
2: She can't call you or
4: something? Oh, but it isn't me she wants to talk to.
5: Sure isn't. Ah. (laughs) You're even jumpier than
3: usual, Steele.
5: Now scoot over. I already grabbed a chair.
3: Uh, Excuse me. As a rule, the Corleone requests patrons not... Right,
5: sure, of course. Don't recognize you, though, stranger. You new here? Well, I've recently moved from a position in Valles Marineros, but I must... New sister. in town! How's Hyperion treating you? Make any friends yet? Ma'am, What's I... What's your name, friend? Uh, uh, Sonny. Now, if... Sonny... You've got gray in your hair and a little boy's name. I like it. Well, listen, Sonny boy, your new friend's going to give you free advice, all right? You go in the back and ask one of the regulars, Ida or Walter or Kix, if it's all right for me to move this chair, okay? You can tell them Captain Hijikata of the 151 is asking. And while they're chewing on that one, I'd like a scarlet pearl, easy on the tequila, and I'm going to chat with my daughter and soon-to-be son-in-law. Sound good? Well, I understand. Great. Put an extra egg in that pearl and I'll put an extra egg at the end of the tip. You know what I mean? Thanks, Sonny. Uh. <laughs> hmm. Some people, huh? He won't <laughs> last long here. But. How are my two lovebirds? Excited about the big day? Yes, Mother. Yeah, I... have got to tell you two, I'm excited. I just keep thinking about that day, what was it, four or five years ago now? And I was home thinking about that weird kid I kept bumping into at the academy firing range. And if I should be worried about the fact that three times I found him crying his eyes out and shooting his blaster anyway. Mother! I, I don't remember crying. I mean that hurt and then you come home glitter and you're breathless about this cadet you met in the library with the most beautiful shining eyes Wet like you'd just been crying and i thought wait a minute now
4: mother really and
5: i said diamond hijikata you could have anybody in the galaxy and this is the one you want really (laughs) i didn't believe it then but you know i gotta tell you i'm excited Never thought anybody would be good enough for my glitter girl. But here you are. So I hope you don't mind, but I got you a wedding present a few weeks early. Diamond, you mind?
4: Do I mind? You butting in on my date and then kicking me out of it? Yes, Mother. Strangely enough, I do.
5: Fifteen minutes. That's all I need. Juno? I'll be fine. Go get a drink at the bar. It's on me. Have you seen the prices of these drinks? Steel, it's on me, glitter. Now... How about that privacy? Thanks. Juno. I'm going to come right out and say it. I'm giving you my job. What? I... you don't... Can you do that? No. Oh, good. But I can accept a promotion in another precinct and then hire you as my replacement, which is what's happening. You... where... This is where you say, thanks, Mom.
2: I've barely been in the 151 for three years.
5: You'll be the youngest precinct captain in HCPD history. There are a ton of
2: cops who deserve this before me.
5: Kapoor's been there a decade. And I still don't know anything about her. Except she has a wife who I'm assuming has a name, but I've never heard it. If you're looking for somebody reliable... You're about to suggest I give Detective Falco the job, and it's sweet of you to look out for your partner like that, but they're only a few years out of the academy. Do you know how nuts that would look? Huck and I graduated in the same class, Captain. (sighs) You're not going to make this easy on me, are you, Juno? No,
2: no, that's not what I meant. It's just, I like where I am now, you know? Maybe I'd want to be captain one day, but I just got here and...
5: I don't know, I'm just not ready. I know that feeling. It's how I felt when they picked me for captain.
2: But I'm assuming you at least applied
5: for the job. Doesn't matter. That's what I had to learn. And I'm sorry to say it, Juno, but it's what I need you to learn now and quickly. We both know the 151 seemed better days. You mentioned Kapoor. Have you seen her around this week? No. We're keeping it quiet for now, but she's suspended. Tried to beat Detective Parsons to death with a chair. She... what? Not like it was a surprise. She's been threatening to do it for years.
2: So did she finally catch him? Catch what? She always said she wanted to beat the hell out of a dirty cop, and she suspected Parsons for a long time. Did she... did she find any proof? (sighs)
5: She says so. Something she found in the evidence locker connected to some unrelated case. When I asked her to get it for me, she said it... Went missing. Oh, and between my question and her answer, she tried to kill Detective Parsons. Did I say that?
6: <clears throat>
5: Maybe some of our cops are on the take. Maybe they aren't. But the big thing you need to learn as a leader, Juno, is that what people think is often more important than what's true. Because, the fact is, whether or not we have a dirty cop problem, everyone thinks we do. And they've already taken sides. Except for me, since I'm the boss, and you, because... Because I'm the new guy. What about Puck? I thought about them, I did. But you know what Falco's career has been like? About five years teaching elementary school, five dancing in those clubs down on Jackson. Great at both jobs, I know, but it takes time to build trust in your precinct. And Falco's coming up on five years since they entered the academy, who says there's still going to be a cop next week. And we can't bring in someone from outside the precinct either, because the situation's too delicate. People have been whispering these dirty cop rumors long enough that internal affairs are starting to ask questions. You really want some promotion-hungry career head backing you up during those witch trials? You'll have enough knives in your back to stock this restaurant, Juno. I've seen it a hundred times before. It's a big ask, I know, but you won't be alone. The 151 is my home. I'll be supervising, giving you advice, coming in and having a few heart-to-hearts if I need to, but I've thought this through, kid, and you're the only dame for the job fact that it means a paycheck bump right on time for you and my glitter to tie the knot is just gravy on the side. I... I mean, I... Thank you, Mom.
2: Thanks, Captain. If you need me, I'll do it.
5: Knew I could count on you. And that'll serve you better than any promotion, Juno. Trust me. Your on-the-job training will start... Hell, what day is it today? On Friday. You'll shadow me for a few weeks, I'll shadow you, we'll get a few friends together, and we'll all shadow each other. And then you'll go back to the academy and test out of the other training requirements. Just like that, the 151 has its new captain maybe six months from now. But, according to the books, you get the captain title as soon as we start training. You get the captain paycheck, too. In two days? What, you want to start tomorrow? No, no. uh,
2: Friday's good for me.
5: Perfect. Hey, look who it is. And, sonny boy, you even brought me two wags like I asked for. He's a sweetheart, isn't he, Juno? Uh,
2: I didn't order anything.
3: Red Desert Tequila, compliments of the third member of your party, sir. She also asked me to send her apologies for the delay, but she's run into an old college friend at the bar.
2: She'll be finished soon. Uh, Thanks.
3: Friend from that college of hers,
5: huh?
2: wonder if I've arrested
5: this one before.
2: One of Diamond's friends? That sounds uncomfortable. For me? Of
5: course it is. I think Glitter likes it, though. Mama's girl hangs out with the types Mom can't stand, gets wrapped up in their protests and whatever, gets her attention. <laughs> oh, wow. God, that girl can really get my goat when she wants to, can't she?
2: I don't recognize him.
5: Gilbert! some name. About a year before you two met, I caught him selling. Two blocks away from the precinct office, some unregulated new street thing. Makes you feel like you got knocked back until last week. Anyway, I caught him completing a transaction, but when I brought him in, he claimed it was all performance art. A collision of the truthful chaos of untested chemical experience with the contrived rigidity of the law, man. <laughs> Bull, obviously. But when we didn't let him out, Glitter and her friends protested outside the precinct office every goddamn day for three weeks. Made the press a nightmare for me.
2: She's... Wow. Couldn't keep Diamond down if you tried. (laughs) Oh, I've tried.
5: (laughs) Don't take it personally when she decides you're the one she wants to push back against. She just doesn't take it a rise out of me. Doesn't believe a word of what she says when she gets like that.
2: I don't think so. When she gets on a tear, she's so... (coughs)
5: Anyway, how's that robbery case? Last week, wasn't it?
2: Um, not great. Falco and I have been scouring the neighborhood for days, but we can't find a single witness.
5: Hmm. Evidence must be pretty good if you're working that hard on
2: it. (laughs) Well, we, uh, don't actually have any evidence.
5: No evidence?
2: You're sure? The job was clean, Captain. Whoever's hitting these places is thorough. The way they clean everything up is like they aren't even in a rush. They... Who's they? This just looks like a few other robberies in the area. A lot of robberies in our precinct
5: always have been.
2: But a lot that look the same? So you must
5: have evidence. Maybe something tying these other robberies together. No, but we're a hoping- Quick question then, why the hell do you have your secretary running back and forth to the evidence locker 40 times a day? It was funny the first time- Rita, I
2: haven't been sending Rita to the evidence locker.
5: Well, she's definitely going there. You can hear those heels from Neptune. That often? Really? Huh. I'll duck. I wonder what Falco's got her looking at in there.
3: Excuse me, Miss Shot?
5: Puck working any cases without you right now?
3: No, but, uh. Miss Shot? There is someone on the phone for you. She's
5: been in and out of there, Juno, I'm telling you. And after that fiasco last time? Uh, Captain? Uh, Miss Shot? Yeah, we hear you. But if you're not getting an answer, it sure sounds
3: like Miss Shot isn't here, doesn't it? Uh, My apologies, but the caller on the phone was very insistent, and his description was quite specific.
5: And he's asking for Ms. Shot. First name Big, I'm guessing?
3: I wouldn't know, ma'am.
5: You got pranked, Sonny. Pack it in already. He was quite insistent. Then you go back and tell that joker Ms. Shot's at a meeting with Butts, comma, Harry, but she can be reached at the Pen15 Club. Now get lost. Thanks, Sonny. Yes, ma'am. That seemed a little rough. He won't last long here. I'll have to talk to Kix about him later. Listen to learn from that, Steele. When the question's settled, you put it away. Otherwise, you look as cracked up as that guy. Now, where the hell do you think my glitter got to?
2: The rest of the story was going to need to wait a while, because my timing was awful. I'd had a month of space drifting to tell Ruby how I got booted from the HCPD, and I'd waited until less than an hour before we hit IO to start telling it. I didn't talk much the first few weeks after we escaped the carte blanche. Sometimes so much comes at you so fast that you can't feel it all at once, like 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 every emotion's trying to cram through the same narrow doorway at the same time in that <clears throat> I did my time alone in that car. With nothing but my thoughts about Nareev and my family and Sasha to keep me company. It's time to get to work. Io was an experiment in terraforming. They say it used to be covered in lakes of lava and huge volcanoes, the most explosive in the solar system. Io clearly didn't want us there, and there were billions of other better places to live, but another big-deal genius from before the war with enough creds to feed everyone from here to Hanuman, decided, you know what I'd like to do? Freeze this pissed-off little moon to death and build a house on it. Another Aaron Marshall dark type, come to think of it. Ramses too feels like no matter how far back you go, the stories stay the same. So what's left of Io? A snowball. Miles and miles of tundra. More desert than Mars, interrupted every once in a while by the top of a plugged-up volcano and a little mining town. And we were heading to one of those towns in particular. Pick'em Point. This is Main Street. There are like six buildings here. Interplanetary crystalline fuel low? You're telling me you're made up of primordial ooze, but I'm still supposed to gas you up? Well, it's going to need to wait. I left my cash half a galaxy back, and I want to get this reunion over with. Battery power should be able to get us around town, right? Then we're running on battery power for a while. Keep it moving. The ruby said it knew the way. So we drove out into the tundra along a road so faded and frozen I could barely see it. It creeped me out, all that open space. I'd gotten used to tight spaces full of people, overstuffed apartment complexes and cramped sewer pipes and subway cars and well, a little modified tour ship, just big enough for a family of six. Thinking about them made me jittery and sick. This was the hard part, the waiting. I just wanted this reunion to be over with. <laughs> Turning off autopilot. You drive too slow. You're flying alien car, Ruby. What do you care how much snow there is? Activating manual drive. (sighs) That's more like it. Now let's turn this up. This is not dangerous. I've been speeding through the desert since I was 14. You can gun it all you want, so long as there aren't any obstacles nearby... Jeez, it's bright out here! I can't see a goddamn- Ah! Ah! What the hell? You have arrived at your destination. Huh. Yeah, that sign sure says Sheriff's Office, doesn't it? All right, Ruby. I don't know how bad it's going to get in there, so keep the engine hot.
1: You shouldn't be here, Steel.
2: Hey there, Falco. Miss me? Puck Falco, my former partner in the HCPD, looked up at me and you know what surprised me most? Like the blockhead I am? It was that they were older. About 15 years had passed and Puck was around 15 years older than me when we met and I swear, I thought I was just going to catch up to them. Be on their level and not the little brother but <clears throat> no now, they were still in great shape and that shape was a cannonball from the door i could smell their coffee still how they liked it sweet and thick as tapioca pudding but their hair was white their eyes creased and they traded in their wide-brimmed hat for a baby blue fluff ball that you know honestly looked great on them for a second i just felt so heavy Like, every one of these years, dogpiled me at the same time. I missed Puck. And however bad this conversation went, something in my gut was suddenly so hungry to have it that I could barely stand up. And they turned to me and said,
7: Steel, glad you're here. Listen, I'm in the middle of something, but you got time to help out, right? Uh Uh-huh. Great. I want you to drive around town for a few hours looking for Dark Matters. For what? Derek Mathers. He's a missing kid, family runs the Frostmold Combine outside of town. About this tall, some hair, nose right in the middle of his face. You can't miss him. Look around, then I'll meet you in three hours at Town Central Diner.
2: I've, I've, but, 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 this... What? But, Five o'clock.
7: Town Central. See you there. What the hell? Oh, and Juno? Yeah? Nice car.
2: Hey, Falco, wait just a goddamn... Looks like we got a few hours to kill. Want to know who that was? (whistles) Fine. I was about to get to them anyway. They were tangled up in the day I threw out my life, too. So, let's talk about Puck Falco. My next shift after that dinner with Hijikata and Diamond came the following afternoon. I spent a lot of that day in a daze. Diamond was busy. And even when my shift did start, Puck just muttered congratulations, then got back to filing. It was easy to forget the promotion ever happened, and that was fine by me. The day was so typical, the motions broken in like a well-used sneaker, that it took me nearly two and a half hours to realize this was the last one of these shifts Falco and I would ever have. The next time I came to work, I'd be acting captain in training, and Puck would probably get a rookie or a transfer to replace me. First in a carousel of them, I was sure. I missed Puck so much then. The feeling hit me like a truck, then backed up slow and hit me again. We would met day one in the academy and stuck to each other through classes and study groups and casework ever since. For me, being a cop was being Puck Falco's partner. I never tried anything else. Quiet in here today. Weirdly quiet, actually
7: hmm
2: What are you, uh, uh, working on?
7: Another break-in. I checked out the scene this morning, high-end auto body shop this time. Burglars made off with everything. Cash, plasma engines, even the cars being serviced. One of them was an F-series supercharger. Should have stood out like a hovercopter in a swimming pool, but there are no witnesses. The owners don't even want to press charges. Insurance fraud? Hard to make insurance fraud work if you don't have insurance.
2: But if they don't want an investigation, did you put in for a background check yet?
7: Yep. Owner booked a room in Hoosgau for a few months, but that was almost eight years ago, and his record's been squeaky since.
2: Then... Wait, what was he in for?
7: Don't get too excited.
2: But... That's the pattern, isn't it? Organized crime. The place that got sacked last week owed money to the mob. The
7: Pereira Crime Syndicate.
2: And a week before that, it was that retired cop, killed out in public, but not a single witness. She must have robbed a few gangs the wrong way in her day, right?
7: Sure she did, but her bee put her in the way of Clark the Shark, not Pilot Pereira. And yes, the owner of this store was wrapped up in organized crime practically a decade ago. See, that's it! But it was with the mufflered Screamers, that underground street racing ring. So even if you could prove that all three crimes were committed by the victim's gang connection... Which, without a single witness or shred of evidence, you can. None of them are connected. What do
2: you mean, none of them are connected? I just connected them for you.
7: Sure. And the victims are all between the ages of 26 and 60, and all have the letter T in their names. You can make patterns out of anything.
2: You sound like Captain H. Oh,
7: don't pout. What do you think? All these gangs and crime syndicates that blow a billion creds a year trying to kill each other? All just decided to play nice. They all, I don't know, share a calendar somewhere... May 15th, Screaming Jane West has reserved red-hot Autobody to repay a grudge. Please, nobody interrupts. Ah. And even then, it wouldn't explain how there are no witnesses. Could just be intimidation, sure. But not even any cops. These crimes were all on patrol routes. Nobody saw them? Always be suspicious of a really good story, Steele. Doesn't matter if it's a kid telling you why he doesn't have his homework... Or a client explaining how we left the cash at home, but he'll be right back, really. If the story's fun to believe, you'll want to believe it. And then, you're sunk.
2: (laughs) It really is quiet around here. Why does it feel so... Wait, have you seen Rita today?
7: She came in about an hour before you. Haven't seen her since. Probably holed up in one of the interrogation rooms watching some stream marathon again.
2: Huh. Captain H was just saying something about her at dinner last night. Spending a lot of time in the evidence room, something like that.
7: (sighs) I wish I was sending her to the evidence lockers. It didn't mean we had any goddamn evidence.
2: Huh. Maybe I'll go look for her.
7: Sure thing. If you need me, I'll be right here. Busting bad guys left and right.
2: I couldn't think of any good reason Rita would be going to the evidence room so often. Each piece of evidence was held in a sealed locker that could only be opened by scanning the lead detective's signature at the room security console. The console took a picture of you when you used it too and kept it on record with the date, time, and locker number you'd requested. So already two things felt off about the Rita situation. First, if Puck and I didn't have any evidence, our signatures wouldn't unlock anything in the evidence room. And since Rita was our secretary, nobody else should have been running evidence requests through her. But this brings us to the second thing. Rita had already gotten in trouble for messing around in the evidence room once. Big trouble. She'd busted the security console's firewall wide open last February and stole some cold case evidence, a limited edition snack cake, discontinued 150 years ago. Maybe you'd think her stomachache would be punishment enough, but Hijikata didn't. I had to call in the biggest favor I had to keep Rita from losing her job. And even then, it only worked because the case had been cold enough to pour a drink around. If she got caught pulling this again, hell, I didn't think I could save her from who's cow, So to do it again so obviously without any reason, I could see. Rita isn't stupid. It never has been. She's... Actually, I'm not sure there's a word for it. Rita usually does the trick. Ugh. <sighs> Let's see, um... Hmm. That's gotta be the one right? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh No, it's not. What about... It? Ha! Take that, you... Whoa. Locker 810. 810, 810. What the... According to the security monitor, Rita had checked out Locker 810 eight times in the past week. She'd even been in to look at it this morning, though there was something off about that entry. Something I didn't understand until I turned the corner and saw the source of that squeak. Locker 810. Its door was wide open, swinging back and forth in the gale force air conditioning of the evidence room. I felt sicker the closer I got to it. I had to turn her in, I thought. It was awful, but... I had to. But the evidence wasn't stolen. It wasn't even tampered with, perfectly matched the log on the security console. Rita had just come in here, opened this locker, and left. Apparently. Sometimes, I think about how different my life could have been if I had just stopped there. Woke up the next morning, Captain, in training of the 151, but... Something didn't make sense to me. And if you think I get annoying about that now, well, uh... Just know that this is me after learning some restraint. What the hell? It was a letter. The notes panel inside the locker said it had been found at the scene of another robbery like the ones Falco and I were looking at. No evidence except this. And this had been ripped to pieces. It looked like someone tried to light it on fire, too, but the spark hadn't spread. The robbery was apparently a case for Detectives Cho and Parsons... The accused, dirty cop, Hijikata, and I talked about the night before. Parsons cleared the crime scene, but on one last walkthrough, Cho found these scraps of paper and spent all night fitting them back together. But I remember the gist. It was a list of names, mostly businesses in our precinct, each with a date and time, then a cred total and a pair of initials beside that. And the stores Puck and I were investigating were both on there, with the dates and times that they were robbed. But the cred total could not have been how much product was lost. Because the name of the retired cop we'd found dead was on there, too. With half a million creds next to her name. There was a short note at the end which read Pending your approval, Miss Shot. I'd like to say. That after one glance at the page, I'd connected all the dots, remembered how insistent our waiter was that Hijikata was misshot, finally asked all the questions that had been rubbing me the wrong way for months about how the hell a cop could afford so many fancy dinners at a place like the Corleone anyway, plus Diamond's wedding, plus our new apartment, and so on and so on, but I was a little distracted at the time.
1: Hello? Anyone in there? Damn it, damn it, uh... Rita?
2: It was Parsons. And suddenly, I didn't like how often he'd come up in the last 24 hours. So I stuffed the letter back into its case and slipped behind a nearby row of lockers. Then Parsons came around the corner, looking like heavy artillery. He's one of those well-advertised fitness nuts, the kind who buys shirts that don't fit so much as strangle. He reached locker 810, took out the letter, and folded it into his pocket. And then, with a glance around the room, pulled out his comms. I go what you asked for. You want it lost or gone? I already took care of those. What's left of them could fit in an ashtray. If you want this to go the same way, I'm going to need the evidence from security perimeter disabled. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Captain H. In the time it took Parsons to roll up his comms and put it back in his pocket, everything clicked together for me. That letter schedule thing was a clue, not just for the one robbery, but for all of them. All the weird crimes that went off in this precinct without a single witness. Parsons was in on it. And so was Miss Shot, and probably a hell of a lot of other detectives and patrolmen besides, and I was willing to bet that their business plan went something like this. If some criminal group wanted to pull off a job and make sure that they weren't caught, they'd pay dirty cops to turn a blind eye. And if they wanted the job done right now, no waiting for Dirty Cop's shift, they could pay a premium to change the schedule and get the cop they wanted when they wanted. And only one woman had the final say on the patrol schedules in our precinct. The same woman who'd been called Miss Shot the night before. So it was bad for Hijikata and Parsons and everyone else that this schedule had gotten out. Real bad. And who better to pin that disappearance on than the one secretary in the building that everyone knew could bust the security system? Rita. Yeah, What can I say? I've always been this good. But, uh, all of that masterclass deduction had apparently deducted more from my brain than I could afford, because then, in a panic, I made the first of my big mistakes for the day. What the... (laughs) (sighs) What? One punch. That can't be all glamour muscle, can it? Shut up, Steel. I'll take that. Again?
8: Um, hello? Detective Parsons, is that you?
2: Damn, damn, damn. Oh, what's going on? Oh, what's happening? Oh. Um, uh,
8: excuse me, Detective Parsons? Hey,
2: Rita, just who I was looking for. What's up?
8: Oh, hi, Detective Steele. Is Detective Parsons in there with you? Because, um... It's not a rush or anything, but I'm in real big trouble with basically everybody, and I was hoping he can explain for Whoa, me Whoa, uh, wait,
2: why, why do you need Parsons to help you?
8: You see, he kept sending me these evidence requests, and I told him that I wasn't his secretary, but he taught me about some lie I didn't know that said I had to do it for him, which was interesting, but I still don't get why I couldn't find the law anywhere when I Evidence request? What
2: evidence request?
8: See, that's the thing, Detective Steele. That's what I want to know, because they all seem real weird. Just come in here and open lock at 810. Open 810 and leave it open a minute and close it. Open 810 and leave it open all day. That one was this morning, actually. Can I just
2: see the goddamn requests already?
8: That's the problem. I was keeping him in my desk, but when I came back from leaving the locker open this morning, they were all gone. And now the captain's asking all kinds of questions, because apparently the evidence in A-10 went missing. Went
2: missing? Already, she said that?
8: Just a few minutes ago, yeah. But if Detective Parsons tells her all about his requests and that secret law that ain't written down anywhere for some reason, it'll all make sense and everyone will be happy and Rita ain't in trouble, yay! So if he's in there, I'd really, really like Rita, to could talk you do
2: me a favor? To... Um,
8: could I do it when I'm less busy? I'll take Cause... the
2: rest of the day off. Go home. Right now. And don't you pick up the comms for anyone but me, all right? I need to go uh, deal with something. Oh.
8: Oh. Okay. Do you want me to tell Detective Falcon? Nope.
2: Nobody. Come on, I'll walk you out. Uh, Uh, sure thing, boss. (laughs) Keeping Puck out of it was a spur-of-the-moment decision, but not one I'd made for no reason. Hijikata insisting that robberies had always been common in the 151... Falco saying the pattern I found was in my head. Those conversations rhymed in the same way the lines Parsons had fed Rita rhymed, I thought. I couldn't take any chances. That's how that piece of the story went when you put it all together, anyway. The version the ruby got was a little harder to follow. It took a few minutes for my feelings about my grand reunion with Puck to catch up with me, but so then Falco says, they caught Always up all right. be suspicious of a good story. So, like, what the hell does that even mean? You know, they didn't even say hello, over a decade they haven't seen me, they can't even manage a hi. Don't get me started on the favor they're asking, because I am this close to... <clears throat> anyway, so Falco says, always be suspicious of a good story, and not even hey, Steele. How the hell can you not say hi to someone after that long? Some kind of psychopath, I swear. The Ruby and I spent the next few hours doing what Punk asked, looking for Derek Mathers. The streets of Pickham Point were dead. Houses a mile apart or more. We passed cars every once in a while, but no people. Mid afternoon, I heard a bell tone far off over the snow, like classes just let out, but the school was empty by the time that Ruby and I found it. If there were any kids in this town, I hadn't seen them. It all gave me the creeps. Something felt funny about Pickham Point, but I wasn't laughing. Because, listen, it's not like I just sat there for the month that Ruby and I were on the run. You drive yourself nuts that way. I'd taken a note from Nareev's care and keeping of your PI manual and assigned myself a case, one I hadn't thought about in well over a year. What the hell happened to Newtown? Didn't expect that one, huh? But I heard Sasha say something back when Jet was dragging me, kicking and screaming off the carte blanche. You destroyed the term prime. Even in you... the case of another cognito airborne virus, the outer rim is the most likely to be oh, afflicted. The average population on an outer planet is a little under 8 billion. In contrast, the insurance and pharmaceutical industries employ above 1 trillion people across our galaxy. The math is simple. A ghastly branch of mathematics. You take such... And that gave me a a hunch. Because the thing that never made sense to me after Rita broke that Thea Tower was the way it all got covered up. By the time anybody from outside got into Newtown, two impossible things had happened. First... The souls all just disappeared. The only ones anybody found were fried, and the big tower that controlled them just vanished. Poof, gone. And second, the population doubled overnight. One million people appeared out of nowhere, claiming they'd lived in Old Town their whole lives, and somebody hacked the census database to back up their story. Nobody could figure out who did it, until me. Because dark matter's had a motive most people don't know about. The Theas were a radical. Maybe Class A or even Class X, and Director W's Dark Matters is apparently taking out all the radicals they can find. And sure, they would have had the money. Hell, I can't think of anyone else who would. One million people. And I sound nuts talking about this, believe me, I feel nuts. But even that's how they get you, I think. Dark Matters pulled half a district out of thin air. Sounds like a huge, ridiculous conspiracy theory, yeah, but the fact is that the incredible appearing people of Newtown were a huge, ridiculous event. Dark Matters could have pulled that million people from retired agents and witness protection candidates and paid actors, and who the hell knew how many others, all to cover up the Thea Soul brainwashing story, make it some people's version of the truth instead of what actually happened. It's not just that Thea Soul Tech dark matters can take. It's the entire Thea Soul idea. Nobody agrees whether the chips really did brainwash you, but there's no evidence, and half of Newtown says it never happened. So we all just move on. The hell else are we supposed to do? And if they can pull off tricks as crazy sounding as one million people appearing out of nowhere, then after a while, everybody saying that they did the thing they really, actually did, just sounds crazy. According to Sasha dark matters had made a planet disappear. Osiris, after that Xenovirus hit it. So they could do it, and they had the motive to do it. As far as anything with dark matters can be proven, I think that's proof. And when you start looking at the world that way, you start asking a lot of funny questions. Questions like, what are the odds Sasha guess who I'd go to for help? She knew Pug from the academy. Hell, based on the part of my life when she really knew me, Puck was an obvious choice—an idiot's choice. And questions like, "Why are this town and Puck Falco so goddamn weird today?" and "Worse of the set, what if these two questions have the same answer?" What? Oh, uh, yeah, this is the place, Town Central Diner. And we're about an hour early. I want to scope this place out a while before Falco gets us in there. I'm fine. I just... Makes sense that we'd be at odds, again. Always seems to work this way with me and Falco. Some cosmic rule or something. Of course we're friends. Hell, friends doesn't cover it. We put our lives in each other's hands for years, and that... I don't know, it gets in your bones, I guess, but... it I think I was onto something good when I saved Rita from Hijikata's frame job, and I was onto something big for sure, but you put something that important in the hands of some kid who's not ready for it, and you can make a real mess. After I brought Rita to her car, I knew I needed to get started on my plan right away which is why I spent the next two and a half hours driving around town, kind of thinking of a plan, but mostly saying things like damn, this. Damn it, I just stole my evidence and it's sitting in my goddamn car 3pm on a Thursday and I'm playing chauffeur to a goddamn felony, dude. Because I was still a kid and a moron on top of that, but I knew a thing or two about how dangerous it was to be the one holding the smoking gun. Every minute I didn't figure out what to do with the letter to Miss Shot was a minute I could get caught. And given the theory that I was working on, getting caught seemed like a death sentence. So, after two and a half hours of that note burning an ulcer into my passenger seat, I decided to go to someone who had a long history of pushing Hijikata however much she wanted.
4: There's my dame, Juno, what a nice surprise. Let me
2: in. Close the door, quick. I'd
4: like you to so insistent. It looks good on you.
2: No time, Diamond. I need you to look at this.
4: Mm, that's exciting, that I'd hoped, but
2: I watched her while she read and tried to convince myself I hadn't just made a huge mistake. But Diamond knew her mother, and Diamond could come up with a plan. And I loved Diamond more than I'd ever loved anyone up until then. She'd never let me down. When she was finished, she put the paper down on her desk. Between an art history textbook and a marked-up term paper for a biological engineering class, the paper was covered in so many sharp red marks that it looked like Mick back when he was trying DIY acupuncture with a cactus and a trampoline. But at the top of it sat a big fat A. And oddly, I felt better than ever about coming to her. Diamond Hijikata, who was full of so much fight that she'd piss off her professor on her term paper on purpose, but smart enough that the professor couldn't tell her she was wrong. Diamond Hijikata. was that brave and that smart and loved me of all people.
4: Oh, yes. This is this is really something, isn't it?
2: You think? I was worried I might just be seeing things, but th- then you'll never believe this. I saw Parsons take this call in the evidence room. But
4: I think you might need to tell me what kind of something this is, doll, because I've never heard of miss shot in my life.
2: Never. You're sure about
4: that? Well, of course, I've heard the name, but it isn't as if we've met. It must be a common name in this part of the city. You hear it called in restaurants and things all the time.
2: I don't. I've never heard it until last night, when our waiter used it in reference to... your mother.
4: My... But if this column is for creds... I don't understand. Insurance?
2: On each one of those dates, those businesses were robbed. And as for the people on there, well...
4: Well, We can't let her get away with it.
2: We... I mean... Yeah, that's why I'm here.
4: Okay... Then this is... Bring that chair over here, would you? I'd like to hear everything you've gathered. Right now. Proof, etc.
2: So I laid it all out again. It became more solid on the second go-round. More... real. And Diamond... She listened. She was a great listener. Great... I don't know, audience? She had these unbelievably blue eyes. And they were so expressive when you talked to her... Widening and narrowing, flickering, flitting to every piece of what you showed her. She was so goddamn curious about everything. It drove me nuts. And it was my favorite thing about her the questions, so many questions to her professors and mother and me and strangers on the goddamn street, anybody who felt like talking to her. And standing out like she did, hair silvery white and a smile that could knock your socks off hard enough that the guy behind you would end up wearing them. <laughs> it's weird. Remembering a person that you loved back when you were a different person. That's all. Diamond sat silent for a few seconds when I was done. And then she looked at me.
4: And that's all. You escorted Rita out and drove right here.
2: That was a few hours ago, actually. I was in my car in between.
4: What were you doing in your car for that long?
2: I I, I mean nothing. I was just driving around.
4: Nothing. That's good. That's very good. I thought you might have brought this to internal affairs.
2: You think they're too much of a risk, too, huh?
4: My mother has been a cop in the city for 30 years. A very sociable cop who's probably been to the weddings and baby showers of every officer in internal affairs. If your theory is right, she likely pays someone there just to keep an ear out for pests like us. Like us? Well, You didn't think you were going to have all the fun, did you?
2: I don't know if I'd call this fun. Well,
4: I know it isn't fun, all right? I know it's serious. Thinking about the consequences this could have for someone I love... I'm not convinced yet, but... If it's true, she can't get away with it. Just out in the open, like she doesn't care if anybody sees, like it doesn't even matter. Well, who does she think she is? You think I missed something? No, Juno, I think you're most likely correct, but you don't have much in the way of corroborating evidence, do you? Oh! What hell do you mean I don't have evidence? This has her name written on it. It has Miss Shot written on it. Yeah, and
2: we know that's your mother. But you
4: only have one source, Dame, and that source is you. If this is the full extent of your argument, you've made your opponent's mission blindingly clear. Discredit you and the argument has nothing to stand on. Your reputation will be in tatters. If this is as big as you say, every dirty cop in the precinct, maybe the city, would want you dead for stopping their income. And if you didn't find enough to get the guilty verdict, the officers who weren't working for her might hate you even more. What? Why? For all you know, one of them could already be on her trail. If you were to blow up their investigation before it was ready... Your
2: mother would get away with it, and then the investigation would be back at step one. She'd probably cover her tracks better next time, too. Damn, What did you take that class? Last
4: semester's combination of criminal defense theory and advanced philosophical argumentation. Mother said the combination would ruin me, but it seems to have turned me into quite the threat, does not it?
2: Hell, I love you. I'm
4: right back at you, doll. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, we need... Someone, or something else that can confirm the Hijikata shock connection.
4: God, I can't believe this. I can't believe we're doing this. Okay, okay. <sighs> coffee. I suppose we aren't sleeping at all tonight, are we? We'll get coffee and then decide what the next step is and then...
2: <gasps> Who the hell? Shh.
7: You didn't park up front, did you?
2: No, I'm a couple blocks down.
7: Hey, uh, Diamond? It's Puck. Sorry if I'm interrupting something, but I'm looking for Juno.
4: Oh, it's just Puck. Thank goodness. Perhaps they are... No.
2: We can't bring Falco in on this. Not yet.
4: Oh, I suppose we can't, can we? After all, you did say that Parsons was in on this criminal enterprise, even though his partner wasn't.
2: I don't think Puck's dirty, but... I don't know. They cleared some of those crime scenes before I got there. They could have... You know They would have had time to clean up. Wait. But there is one other person who knew your mother's misshot, and I think I know where we can find him.
7: Diamond, you there? Rita told me Juno was saying a Some weird stuff. I just want to make sure he's thinking clearly.
2: Okay, here's what we do I'll sneak out the back door and get my car. You keep Falco busy for a few minutes. And you haven't seen me today, all right?
7: All
4: right. But if you think you're leaving me here. I'm not.
2: There's a crystal fuel station out a few streets away on Bogart Drive. Make your way there and I'll pick you up in 20 minutes.
4: I will. And Juno? Yeah? You shine so bright when you're on a roll like this that it nearly makes this miserable night worth it. Mm. Mm. Be careful.
2: You too. You know, I don't think I ever finished that story for the Ruby. So much happened in the next couple hours, and I just... forgot. That didn't mean I was done thinking about it. My great exit from the HCPD wasn't the last time I'd ever talked to Puck, but it was the beginning of the end. And more and more I felt this day on IO falling into lockstep with that day 17 years ago. Yeah, I know Puck's an hour late, Ruby. Thanks. I loved Diamond so much back in those days. But I'd only known her for a handful of years. Hell, I'd only known myself for twenty-three. That steel kid and I were barely on a first name basis. The way things turned out, I don't know, the older I get, the harder it is to blame someone for being the most honest version of themselves, no matter how ugly the truth is. I'll take it over a pretty lie any time. I was chewing on that thought when another car finally pulled into the parking lot of Town Central Diner. The car was yards off to my left, and from where I was sitting, I could only see Puck in the passenger seat. Until they got out of the car, and I saw the driver.
7: Thanks for the help. He should be inside. I'll keep you updated.
2: Sunglasses. Do you see that, Ruby? The driver was wearing sunglasses and something dark. Dark manners. We need to get out of here. Blast off right now. Get me out of this nightmare town. Get me to hell off this moon. Ruby, I said go! Interplanetary crystalline fuel low cannot reach escape velocity. Whatever. There's no time. You start driving and I'll just get the gas payment ready. I haven't touched my accounts in almost a year. I should have plenty... My accounts have been frozen. For suspected criminal activity by Dark Matters. Ruby. We're stuck here, aren't we?
7: Good. Looks like you got here late, too. Uh. Juno? You know? Oh, door's unlocked. Thanks for that.
2: Hey, I'll go. I couldn't find the kid you were, uh, asking for.
7: Huh? Oh, right. I didn't think he'd still be in town anyway. Just got a lead on where he is, but my car broke down. You and the hot rod mind giving me a ride out into the tundra?
2: It's a car, Falco. It can't mind anything.
7: Uh, sure. Anyway, Louisa at the solar farm said she thought she saw some smoke coming out of the abandoned mine shaft. Just drive towards that volcano in the distance. I'll show you the entrance when we get there
1: mineshaft, in the middle of
2: the tundra, alone. All right, Puck, whatever you say.
7: Here, got you some coffee. Just the way you like it, acid bad. Something tells me we won't be sleeping much tonight. You know, this isn't how I would have wanted to get in touch again. But it's not so bad, huh? Just like old times, driving out together to fix a mess the smell of coffee in the car. (laughs) Feels like anything could happen out there, doesn't it? Just like old times.
1: If you've enjoyed this tale, please consider donating to The Penumbra on Patreon. Our artists work tirelessly to bring you these stories, and if you have the means, we hope you will support our efforts. Every dollar helps. You can find that page at patreon.com Penumbra thepenumbrapodcast. If you support us on Patreon at the $10 level or higher, you'll receive access to commentary tracks like this one, from co-creators Harley Takagi Kaner and Kevin Vibert, and actor Joshua Elon. I am not say I was let down (laughs) because I wasn't.
6: (laughs) Uh,
2: But it it is very funny that the character, uh, and I hope I'm not giving anything away for the other two episodes when I say this, it's very funny that of all the characters that have been introduced to this episode, it seems that the one that has had the most emotional weight attached to her from the very beginning has the least impact on this actual episode. It seems like Puck, who we have heard the least about, is the one who is going to be the biggest
1: player here. Mm -hmm. Did you know that the Penumbra has merchandise for sale? It's true. The Penumbra has partnered with DFTBA to bring you posters and apparel, as well as soundtracks for seasons one through three and videos of our live shows. Just go to dftba.com and search for the Penumbra podcast. We would like to give thanks to all who support us on Patreon, but especially to Elliot Quinn, June Gishoku, Faith Williams, Striker Flynn Kit McLaurin, Erin Ritson, Don't Stop Her Now, Mick Mercury Season 4 Summoning Circle, Ren Gillespie, Liv Allen, Alice the Time Lord, Matt, Erin, In Memory of Spiral Opal, Jeanette, Lucy Biles, North, Elizabeth Dunn, Michael David Smith, Ben Zeiton's Ghost, Kickstarter to get the Ruby a girlfriend, Rachel Attaway, Beth Barraza, The Simp of the Second Citadel, Ollie Nexus, WPJB, Caroline Seidman, Shiloh is the best webcomic of them all, I canonized Butch Vicky in my published thesis, J. Januzelli, Karen ZH, Marrow, Red L, Genetic, N.B. Shaper, Menchowski, and Jamie Gunter for their incredibly generous contributions per episode. Thank you. This tale... Juno Steel and the Embrace of Ice, was told by the following people. Joshua Elon as Juno Steel, Chelsea Ruscio as Puck Falco, Josephine Moshiri Elwood as Diamond Hijikata, Regine Vital as Captain Hijikata, Bob Mussett as Sonny, Lydian Melokaro as Detective Parsons, and Kate Jones as Rita. The Penumbra is created and produced by Harley Takagi Kaner and Kevin Vibert. If you wish to know more about our ever-expanding, infinitely creative team of artists, musicians, editors, designers, and managers, you can read about them in the show notes of this episode. I'm afraid that is our time for today, dear Traveler. We hope you will join us again soon.